Hey, Sober Girls. Every life choice you make has an impact, and some choices are just easier than others. An easy choice for me has been adding Exact Nature CBD into my daily routine. Exact Nature's products can help curb cravings while promoting the positive changes in mood, focus, and my favorite, sleep. These are all part of getting and staying sober. They're available in oils, soft gels, and gummies, and in varying strengths and formulas. What I love most about Exact Nature is I know the quality is top tier and safe because their products are made by people in recovery for people in recovery. Go to exactnature.com to get 20% off your order. Use code SOBERGIRL20 at checkout. Being positive is a choice. Exact Nature just makes it easier. Welcome to a Sober Girl's Guide podcast, a lifestyle podcast based on sobriety and recovery. I'm your host and sober girl, Jessica Jabot. Inspired by my own sobriety and wellness journey, I want to spread the wealth of knowledge. Tune in each week for uncensored conversations about mental health, self-development, wellness and spirituality, and how they influence each guest's unique recovery journey. My goal is to educate and inspire and to let you know you are not alone on your recovery journey. Thanks so much for tuning in to a Sober Girls Guide podcast. Let's go. Hello, hello, and welcome to episode 197 of a Sober Girls Guide podcast. Are you curious about the many ways sobriety can transform your life? Well, Sarah Levy's new book, Drinking Games, will spell them all out for you. Sarah and I catch up on how her life has excelled since her last visit on the podcast. We talk all things about relationships, marriage, and how to plan and execute a wedding booze-free. This is such a fantastic episode. Let's get into it. Um, Sarah... I am so excited to talk to you again. Obviously, you've been on the podcast before, and we were just talking about this, but so much life stuff has happened. So much life stuff. I cannot believe it. And thank you so much for having me back on. I'm so excited to talk to you. Yes. I mean, I definitely want to get into the book and like drinking games and talking all about that because it's huge. Like it, you can't open TikTok, Instagram, like our group um, book, our Sober Girls book club without hearing or seeing your book. It is such a success. And I really want to get into that. But first of all, I want to talk about some life stuff, you know, for everyone who hasn't caught the, uh, our first episode together, can you kind of give us a little kind of Cole's notes to your journey and your relationship with alcohol? Sure. And thank you so much for saying that about drinking games. That's really nice to hear. Um, Okay. So for anyone who hasn't heard our first episode, um, I, my name's Sarah. I got sober a little over five years ago when I was 28. And at the time I was living in New York city. I was working for a startup. Um, And on the outside, you know, my life looked pretty good. It looked normal. I had friends, I was dating, I was working out, but my relationship with alcohol had really started to change. Mm -hmm. And, you know, I say this often when I talk about my relationship with drinking because it just sums it up so perfectly, but 
I remember hearing someone say when I first got sober that drinking for them had started out as fun and then become fun with problems. And then it was just problems. And Mm. that was very much my experience. Drinking was really fun for me in the beginning. And then, you know, I started experiencing a lot of blackouts whenever I would get drunk Mm. and really thought that like that was normal. I didn't know that that's not how everyone drank. I thought that everyone just got really, really drunk, didn't stop drinking at you know any point in the night and then woke up the next morning with a huge like missing chunk of their memories. Like I thought yeah. that's what everyone did. Like oopsie um, daisy. Yeah. Right. Exactly. <laughs> Turns out that not everyone experiences blackouts. Um, right. And they definitely became more and more frequent for me and also just like got scarier. Um, And I just, you know, really fought so hard to continue drinking. Like all I wanted to do Mm. was figure out how to drink in my twenties. Getting sober really just was like the last resort for me. It seemed really extreme. You know, it was like, that just seems like, to abstain completely. Like there's gotta be like a balanced medium, you know? And so I spent a lot of time trying to figure out how to drink normally. What I've learned is like, if you have to try to figure out how to drink normally, you've probably like entered into um, some problematic territory with your drinking. But, you know, I didn't know anyone who was sober. I didn't have any friends who didn't drink. And, you know, the like sober curious space that we now know on social media podcasts like this one, it, it didn't really exist. I couldn't find anything like it. There was nothing that was really like normalizing the idea of sobriety. And so, yeah, I just felt really alone. And, you know, what happened was just that I kind of got sick and tired of being sick and tired and had a really bad night, you know, a few days after my 28th birthday, that was just not even my worst night drinking. It just was bad enough that I kind of realized that I was just done. You know, there were so many excuses that I had been telling myself and, you know, just like lies, honestly, like I was lying to myself Mm. about my relationship with alcohol, telling myself that, you know, it's okay that you black out when you drink, it's fine that you're hungover for four days after drinking and that you're so anxious and everybody does this, you're young. And I just remember waking up that morning and being like, I don't even care if everybody does this. Like I can't do it anymore. Like I am just done. And I was just desperate. I was just desperate enough to make a change because I just didn't want to continue feeling the way that I felt. And I stopped, I stopped drinking. And, um, that was, that was like my day one. Whoa. And that's been it. Like no sip ups, no, you know, I think of my slip ups as all the times between the ages of like 23 to 28 when I tried to control my drinking and couldn't because in those like five plus years, I would try to like take a week off of drinking or I even remember once going a month without drinking and then being like, okay, I think I can, you know, I feel a lot better. I think I can resume my drinking. And it was always like I picked up right where I left off and immediately like blacking out, feeling horrible. And so this time around, thankfully I haven't had a drink in over five years, a drink or a drug in in over five years. Yeah. But that's because I think I did a lot of fact finding in my twenties that, you know, when I 
this time around decided to get sober, I just knew that drinking didn't work for me. And I'm very grateful for that because I don't know that I would have stuck with sobriety had I not been so sure of the Mm. fact that like when I start to drink, I process alcohol differently than my peers. I don't know what's going to happen. And like, I have had a lot of evidence, you know, to, to demonstrate that Um, because sobriety has not always been easy. You know, it's, it's still life, right. You're still a person. You still are experiencing all the emotions for me. Like I was still experiencing and still do experience all the emotions that I drank over. So feeling like insecure in moments, like not, you know, just, and more intense what the future will hold exactly yeah like more way intensely. more intensely cuz you're actually present you're not like numbed out or dulled by mm-hmm. uh like a substance to kind of uh, like alleviate some of that pain right and yeah. like that's real those feelings are real yeah. they're uncomfortable being a, a human continues to be like a challenging experience at times totally right? <laughs> but the one thing I know for sure, because of the years that I spent trying to control my drinking and like failing is yeah. that alcohol doesn't change it. it. It only makes it worse. It only makes my life more chaotic. Mm. So to answer your question, yeah. I have not thankfully had a slip or drank since that morning, Yeah, but that's not to say that like, oh, I stopped drinking and my life became perfect and magically got so much easier. Oh God, I just no. knew that I was done with, with the drugs and alcohol portion of my story. Yeah. And it's, it's, I love how you say like, you know, we kind of almost have to build a case about like, cause we forget, right. It's like, it's really easy to forget like how, and get sucked into that like alluring nature of what like the facade of alcohol is, right? Like, oh, it's gonna oh, fix yes. this, and you're just gonna feel so much better and lighter. Mm. Yeah, and I was just talking to someone about this the other day. Like, I when I got sober, like it was around 2017. So the years yeah. prior to that, like living in New York City, I felt like I was being bombarded by all this imagery constantly, even sure. like, gr- even prior to those years, like growing up seeing shows like Sex in the City, or right, like, just like this image of New York City and drinking and being like really chic and cool. And I just had this idea in my head of like, being able to go out and order a glass of wine or order a martini and thought that that just would make me this sophisticated version of myself you know yeah. and and like I, an adult that, yeah. like, like, it, like it feels like you've like made it almost right right like exactly you're not a child anymore like you get to make your own decisions you have your own money you get to buy whatever you want it's like it feels like okay I've arrived I'm an adult now Totally. And I was very, however, (laughs) yeah, like I was very (laughs) lost in a lot of ways in my, you know, early twenties. I didn't know what I wanted to do professionally. I felt very aimless. I just ended a relationship. I'd had a bad breakup at the end of college and, you know, I had a lot to figure out. And so I was not like this emotionally, like stable, super grounded adult, but I would pretend that I was one basically when I would go into a bar or a restaurant and order myself a drink. Sure. And just like to anyone listening, like no one really has it all figured out. We're not all like, we're not all together at all. Like that's that's also not life and that's not realistic. Like regardless of your age or like. Oh yeah. 
there's always something new. And that's, I think that's, if you can kind of flip the script and embrace that, because there's always going to be change. There just is. Mm -hmm. It's it's constant, right? And I think instead of like, me personally, I always used to be like fear change, try to control it and like alcohol and control everything and anything that was in my world. Mm -hmm. Um, And so like that became a really shitty dark place like that's not a fun way to live but if you can like embrace that like okay change is gonna happen like this is the this is the wild ride right like this is the adventure and like how are we going to navigate this and I'm gonna tell you right now being drunk and hungover makes it a hell of a lot harder and much less enjoyable of a, of a ride you know, when you're trying to do life, it just doesn't work. It's like putting a, a bandaid over a bullet wound. It's like, ugh, okay, exactly. Ridiculous. Yeah. <laughs> and it's just like, for me, like the drinking and the hangovers, they were just a distraction. Like, yeah, it was a temporary, like other disaster to pay attention to because when yeah. I was hungover, it was like, oh God, like me physically feeling so sick, needing to just like care for myself, not being able to really get out of bed, like ordering food, Gatorade, like sitting in bed, watching Netflix. It's like, that's all I can focus on for those 48 hours at a time, repeating that every single weekend. Like I was not able to pick my head up and look around and think about like my goals or even form goals. Like, you know, I was just, my world was very small, even though I thought that it was this big, exciting New York life. And I had this job and I had these friends like I, I did have those things and I was able to kind of like function and, and hold it together. But inside I felt very just preoccupied with like constantly mm-hmm. preoccupied with the chaos that I was creating when I started to drink. Yeah. Did you ever use your hangovers as like an excuse just to like phone it in, like phone in the day and just be like, eh, well, I got to take care of myself. I'm sick. Oh my God. All the time. And yeah. I felt a lot of guilt about it because like sure. my drunk, my drunk self would like make all these plans or even like my sober self during the week would make plans. Like yeah. I genuinely wanted to go to my friend's birthday brunch. I genuinely wanted to go to the workout that I paid for, you know, to go to that <sighs> class. I wanted to like go for a walk or catch up on work or just like catch up on sleep. And then yeah. when I was hungover, I couldn't do any of those things. You know, I, the sleep I was getting was not restful and right. like I was missing plans and yeah, I, I would always just have to be like, I don't feel well, you know? And it's like, I got so sick of being mm. that person that was like, I can't show up. Or if I did like scrape myself together and drag myself out of bed, <laughs> I was arriving late and then it's all about me and like going to the bathroom because I'm going to throw up in the middle of whatever we're doing. Like right. I was really not in good shape, you know, yeah. towards the end of my drinking, especially like my hangovers just got so bad. And yeah. it was just at a certain point, like, what's the point of even showing up? I'm not showing up. I'm not present at all. Yeah. I totally, I totally know what you mean. I mean, I used to like use hangovers as an excuse, like not to connect with people. When mm-hmm. literally that's all I wanted and needed. Like I was mm-hmm. so self-absorbed and be like, oh my God, I'm so hungover. Like, oh, my life is so glamorous. I had such a crazy night last night. Ew. Like that's so boring. 
it's like, so boring so and like boring. like good for true. you all, honey. like yeah all I wanted was connection like all I was craving was connection yeah. to your point yeah. and would feel like I was getting it in these like drunken moments in the bathroom connecting with random girls being like you look so pretty right or (laughs) like meeting a guy and being like wow we really like each other but totally real like it couldn't be real like because I was wasted and yeah then the next day when I like had opportunities to have genuine connections with like friends or family members who were awake and doing things because it was the middle of the day I was in my apartment alone, like unable to show up for any of it. So Mm -hmm. it is this weird cycle where I would drink because I wanted to find connections. I would get this like false sense of connection when I was out. And then the next day I would feel like more isolated than ever. Oh, yes. It's also like superficial. Like you said, it's not real. It's just, Mm -hmm. it's not. Mm -hmm. I want to talk about stuff that's real. Yeah, you've, you've been doing some real living. Uh, since the last Life time got real. Life <laughs> got real. Yeah, definitely. Okay, so I think when you were here last, you weren't even engaged. I think that's right. I think I had just moved to LA. Yeah, from New York with my boyfriend. Yeah, my husband. Yes, and yes, we got engaged, and then. Um, got married a little over a year ago. And that has been, you know, like an amazing, beautiful experience to go through sober. And one that I was really terrified of before I stopped drinking. I had this idea in my head of my wedding day, even just like, of course, dating. And then like, like fast forward to the wedding. And I remember telling a friend early when I first stopped drinking, like, I don't think I can really do this because like, what am I going to do at my wedding? How will I not drink? She was like, you're not engaged. Like there's no wedding happening, you know? And (laughs) I didn't even have a boyfriend. Check check yourself. Yeah. Yeah. Like check the facts. Um, But I was, I always, you know, would think like, Oh, I'm not going to have champagne at my wedding. Like that's so sad. And Mm. I, I was just talking about this recently with another, another sober friend who, um, who also got married recently. And I was just saying, like, I loved being sober on my wedding day. It was, Mm. I cannot imagine what that day would have been like for me had I been drinking. I know for sure that I would have gotten too drunk. I would have probably tried really hard to not drink too much the night before and then been like really proud of myself for that and um, made it through the day, you know, probably wouldn't have eaten much with all the like Mm -hmm. nerves and adrenaline. And then by the time the ceremony was over, I would have gotten to the reception and been like, okay, now we can party. And I definitely would have blacked out. And I definitely would have woken up the next morning just with so much regret and shame, not to mention like, Oh, who wants to wake up with a horrible hangover the morning after their wedding? Like, right. I, we went on our honeymoon shortly thereafter. Like there was a lot of stuff to do. I had to pack. I wanted to like, show up for the brunch the next day and thank my guests for coming and like, just be a present like human and wife, you know, and show up with like grace. And that was not, that would not have been possible had I been drinking. Um, Also like the day went by really fast and it was Mm. like a beautiful, super special day, obviously. And um, it went by really fast, 
but like I did feel present for every part of it. And I feel like had I been drinking, it would have, it would have really just like gone by in the blink of an eye. And I feel like I was able to just like be a part of it because I I wasn't drinking. So yeah. Sober weddings. Right. And like savor these like moments and like savor that nervousness, like savor that those, you know, of course there's a little anxiety. It's a huge day. It's a huge commitment. Right. And it's, you're supposed to feel these things. It's okay. It's totally totally okay. Yeah. I think that it's such a good point. Like there are so many emotions on your wedding day, your wedding week, you know, there's like last minute things that go wrong and like all the planning and the details. And then just like wanting to, everyone tells you like the advice everyone gives you is it goes by really fast. So Mm. like, make sure to take time with your partner and just the two of you and soak it up, you know, and um, you want to do that. You want to be able to be like, okay, this is happening. This is my wedding. Like everyone I love is in the same place. And I think for me, at least that would have been really hard to do if I had been Mm -hmm. drinking because of the way that I drank. Yeah, definitely. Um, Tell me about the bar situation at your wedding. Cause I know this is like a huge, this is a huge like decision for a bride who is sober or who is like, you know, changing their relationship with alcohol. What did you personally opt for on your wedding day? Yeah. So we had an open bar, full bar okay. for all of our guests. And yep. there were sober guests there and there were non-sober guests there. We wanted everyone to have a good time and celebrate yep. how they wanted to celebrate. And so we just had options. We had a full bar with lots of alcoholic options. And then we also had a lot of non-alcoholic options. I had a, we, my husband and I both had our own like signature cocktail and mocktail And then we had champagne for the toasts and sparkling cider. Yep. And it was great. Everyone personally, like I did not pay attention to what anyone else was drinking. Um, But I think, you know, everyone has to make that decision for themselves. I know sober individuals who have had like totally dry weddings, didn't want alcohol to be a part of the day at all. Um, For us, we just wanted our guests to... Our, our wedding was in California. A lot of people traveled. We wanted everyone to feel comfortable. We wanted everyone to have fun. And we wanted right. our guests to just like have options for the night. Right. So we offered both. Nice. And yeah. was there any, like, how did you guys come to that agreement? Did you make that on like together or were you more a part of that, that decision-making? Like, what did that look like? We talked about it together. I mean, yeah, candidly, really like it's just expensive to have alcohol and food and all of that stuff at your wedding so like definitely just like looked at the cost and that was really the only discussion was like okay this is now like a part of the budget and I definitely had a moment where I was like I don't even drink like why are we spending money on alcohol for people yeah but like you know ultimately like you're hosting a party and you want your guests to have fun um so that was I think like the only conversation we had was like okay, like we're spending this much money on alcohol, but um, it wasn't ever really like a debate of like, are we going to have it or not? It was more just like, what will we have? Who, you know, what will the signature drinks be? Who, and also we had a fairly small wedding. It was 75 guests. So it was really like looking at the guest list and being like, who drinks, who doesn't drink? Um, And sort of just like thinking through what we wanted the night to look like. Yeah. And it's also like, 
I think a lot of people are concerned that like people will get messy or like, you know, mm. get really wasted. It's a wedding. It's a celebration, right? Like, mm-hmm. you know, you, you obviously can't control other people and their drinking and nor should you want to. Mm-hmm. Um, were you ever concerned about that? I wasn't. I, okay. Adam is a little bit older. I yeah. mean, not much older. He's 36, but like a lot of his friends were already married. Some had kids by the time we got married were mostly out of their like crazy party phase that they had maybe been in like just out of college. We had both been to a good amount of those like early weddings where you're like 24, 25, like the first people who get married. I think those were like crazy parties where people took advantage of the open bar. Um, I think we both kind of felt like our friends were not necessarily like in that place. I also am still very close with my very good friends from college, but a lot of the people that I did a bit more like partying with in, you know, my twenties in New York, I've drifted from a little bit. So there aren't a lot of them, but like, like I said, it was a small wedding. We didn't really have anyone on the guest list that we were like, Ooh, this person's crazy. And we're kind of worried that they're going to be like messy at the wedding. Um, And there were people who like certainly were. I think we can all agree that anxiety is so 2023. Say peace out to anxiety and overwhelm with chill vibe gummies. Made with ashwagandha root, L-theanine, GABA, chamomile flower, and lemon balm, these gluten-free, vegan, non-GMO gummies are the perfect way to change your vibe naturally and most importantly, safely. Whenever I tried medication for my anxiety, I was always hit with extreme side effects that made me feel paranoid or just completely numbed of all emotions, the good and the bad. Chill Vibe Gummies make you feel like you, just minus the anxiety. Go to vibegummies.com to get your gummies today. That's V-I-B-E gummies.com. This episode is sponsored by BetterHelp. A common misconception about relationships is that they have to be easy to be right. But sometimes the best ones happen when you put the work in to make them great. Therapy can be a place to work through the challenges you face in all your relationships, whether with your friends, work, your significant other, or most importantly, yourself. My biggest fear is that I was unlovable, that something was just not good enough or deserving of love. My therapist has helped me to see that my thoughts are not necessarily the truth. Therapy has helped me overcome these limiting beliefs that were keeping me in unhealthy patterns in my life. We are our own worst critic, and I love that my therapist reminds me of how far I have come. If you're thinking of starting therapy, give BetterHelp a try. It's entirely online, designed to be convenient, flexible, and suited to your schedule. Just fill out the brief questionnaire to get matched with a licensed therapist and switch therapists at any time for no additional charge. Become your own soulmate, whether you're looking for one or not. Visit betterhelp.com ASGG today to get 10% off your first month. That's betterhelp.com ASGG. Drinking. I don't know. I really don't know if anyone was like that drunk. Like I said, I didn't really pay attention, but yeah. people were like on the dance floor, and that's what we wanted. You know, we wanted yeah. people to like have fun and dance and feel like they were celebrating. Yeah, definitely. And then I want to talk about your your partner and how your relationship has been 
you know, and how uh, sobriety has, has impacted your relationship. Mm. Yeah. What does that look like for you guys? Yeah. I I mean, obviously he's a keeper. You married him. (laughs) He is a keeper. He is a keeper. Adam and I have been together. So we've been married a little over a year. We've been together. Mm -hmm. It'll be four years um, next month. Okay. And um, how did you meet? We were introduced through a mutual friend. Nice. I love that. Yeah. It was a very like happenstance. I was just talking to her about this recently. It was like a very happenstance um, interaction, like the way it all happened. She and I were chatting and just like offhandedly, I think he texted her while we were talking because they were working together. And um, she just sort of looked up from her phone and was like, I think you might like this guy. Like, I don't know. I just have a feeling. Yeah. Interesting. um, Okay. And we, yeah, so she connected us and from the start, you know, we just connected. It was very easy. It was just like, I felt, I mean, everything's like so cliche. I feel like when I, when I talk about this, like all the cliches are true, but like, I felt like I had known him. It's a cliche for a reason. Okay. It is. Like, (laughs) I just felt like I had known him for a really long time. It felt really natural. We like our banter was just like really good. And, um, I just liked him. You know, I could just, I I remember honestly feeling like this is way too good to be true. Like this is too easy. He's too nice. Um, he like calls when he says he will, he follows up, he makes plans. Like he plans these really sweet dates for us. We just like had a lot of fun. And, um, but you genuinely liked him as a person, like taking kind of like the love side apart. Like you actually enjoyed him and respected him as a person. Right. I did. Yeah. Adam is huge. Anyone who knows him, I think, um, would agree that like, there's just really no one else like him. He's Mm. super smart, very funny, very honest. Um, really just like says it like it is like, he's just a very genuine person. Um, and I remember just feeling like I wanted to like experience life with him. Like I wanted to Mm. travel with him. I wanted to like eat at restaurants with him. I wanted to talk to him about my day. I wanted to know what he thought about things. Like Mm. I just, I loved his brain. Like he's a avid reader. He just like super curious and, you know, and about my sobriety, like, you know, that was, that was one of the first things that we kind of went deep on, like in our um, early days of dating and he had questions about it, but like, he was just really accepting of it. And I just felt very safe sharing things with him, you know, and I had gone on my fair share of dates in sobriety before I met him. Um, I'd been sober like about a year and a half, but um, had been like active on dating apps that whole time and had, had gone on many dates and had sort of just like gone through a range of experiences with men (laughs) having like different reactions to oh yeah (laughs) to my sobriety and um Adam just didn't it just wasn't a thing you know he Mm. just and and he made me feel like it was really cool like it was an accomplishment he was like that's awesome and really like celebrated it I remember um love that 
yeah, like I remember on um, my like two year sober anniversary, like which was, you know, a few months after we had been dating, mm-hmm. he like made dinner plans for us and, you know, got me a card and like, it was very sweet. He just yeah saw it as this cool thing that I had accomplished and continued to do. And, you know, yeah. also I was very like, I was in a stage when I met him, I was in my like confident sober era, like, which I hadn't been in, in the first like year of my sobriety, like the first few months, especially I had like kept it a secret. I hid it from my friends. I felt like this was super embarrassing. And then Mm. I'd started writing about it a little bit before I met Adam. And that had really helped me to just like own it and feel like very, you know, accomplished and like I'd set my mind to this thing that had been really hard in the beginning and I just felt like this is this is awesome that I've been able to do this I feel good like I'm you know I'm just like I'm just I was like feeling myself and I think that was also something that he picked up on and very much like mirrored back to me and was like yeah it is awesome you know and Mm -hmm. um and I so in that like vein I had been really into my like my daily practices and like the things that I needed to do to maintain my sobriety. And yeah. I was like, you know, journaling and meditating and exercising and found, had found the sober community and was like connected to my friends there. And, you know, was just really making, making that a priority going to therapy. Yeah. And I was open with him about that, you know, when we first started dating and he was just like, that's great. And I think he really respected mm. that I had my own thing going on and that like yes. I was independent within the relationship and outside of the relationship, I knew what I needed to do to feel good and to like take care of myself. And I think in other relationships, I had always looked to the person for happiness, you know, to like, yes, to like fill that hole or whatever. Right. And it's like, I remember in, in college, like being in this, in this super serious at the time it felt super serious relationship and like if he was having a bad day I was having a bad day if he was in a good Mm. mood I was in a good mood like and with Adam it was just like we're two individual people who know what we need to do to take care of ourselves and like when we come together it was just exciting and fun so yeah that is the best when you change your relationship with alcohol you realize you have so many hours in the day I love to dedicate my time to skincare, and Osea makes me and my skin feel and look like a queen. Osea's clean, vegan, and sustainable body care is a glowing choice for achieving your body care and self-care goals. Whenever I use the Andaria Algae Body Butter, people literally stop me on the street. My skin is flawless and glowing, and I love the thick and unbelievably rich texture that absorbs instantly. Skincare is a habit worth keeping all year round. Osea can help your skin have a healthy glow every day. Because let's be honest, skincare is self-care. With over 27 years of seaweed-infused products, Osea is safe on your skin and the planet. It is clean, vegan, and cruelty-free, and climate-neutral certified. Never choose between your values and your best skin. Start the new year fresh with clean vegan skincare and body care from Osea. Right now, we have a special discount just for our listeners. Get 10% off your first order site-wide with code ASGG at oseamalibu.com. 
You'll get free samples with every order and free shipping on orders over $60. Head to oseamalibu.com and use code ASGG for 10% off. That is the recipe. That is the like cheat sheet for like a healthy relationship. And I think the other, yeah. And I think the other thing is I just never doubted how he felt about me. Mm. And I had just never had that before. Like I'd always done the guessing game. Am I going to hear from this guy? Does he like me? He's playing games. I don't hear from him when I, when he's, you know, when he says he will, like, um, and I just really believe that like, if for anyone listening, who's dating or, you know, looking for a relationship, like it should be easy. Like relationships are not always easy. Once you're living together, married, right? Like there are, there's life situations that you have to navigate and there's compromise and communication and all of that, right? Like that's not easy every single day, but the beginning stage and trying and, you know, just figuring out what this is going to be like, that should be easy. I knew that he liked me and I, and I knew that I liked him and I never, I never had to question that. And like that certainty created space for a lot of really fun experiences. Mm. Oh, I love that after. Okay. I have, I have a kind of weird question. Okay. (laughs) Because I'm kind of like in this in this kind of like same position. I'm like, oh, okay, like, yeah, there's like certainty. Like this person likes me. I like them. But like, did you ever get weirded out by that or like turned off by that? Like, okay, this is not how it usually is. This is weird. Yes, I absolutely <laughs> did. I think that's really normal. And I don't think yeah. enough people talk about it. And like I mentioned earlier, because he was so nice and so just like, different than other guys I had dated I did have this feeling of like this is too good to be true something's totally. gonna go wrong I'm waiting for the other shoe to drop what's wrong yep. with this guy you know because like you date long enough and like especially in a big city mm-hmm. you have experiences you get ghosted you get lied to you get disappointed you, your feelings change like you get the ick like someone does something that's a turnoff right like I have yep. all those experiences and so I was just like waiting for something to happen and <sighs> I think that like we just get comfortable with what we know and that mm-hmm. was what I knew was like yeah just this sort of dating game and I really had to like shift my perspective to be like okay that's what I had in the past but like this like look around, right there. I have people in my life who are in healthy relationships. It exists. It's possible. Um, and it just takes one person. So like, yeah, I'm going to take it one day at a time. I'm going to pay attention to the information that I'm given. If I receive new information that tells me that something's not right or, you know, makes my spidey senses like go off. Okay. I can pay attention to it. But like, there was nothing in my gut that was telling me something's wrong here. Mm-hmm. It was just fear. I was just experiencing fear that yeah. like I didn't deserve it or that something was going to change. And mm. so I just had to, you know, work on my thinking and just be like, okay, just for today, like he has done nothing to suggest that he is like, he has like <laughs> a 
second hidden family or life right. somewhere else. Like, I don't know what my fear was or what I was thinking, but like, yeah. you know, I'm going to take him at face value and trust what he's saying and his actions are lining up. And, yeah. and you know, I, I'm, I think that's all we can really do in any situation is to just be like, okay, I'm going to just pay attention to the information that I'm given. And if something feels off, then I can, you know, react accordingly. But I do think it's normal to when you have something that's easy to just be like, wait, what do I do? Like, I'm used to it being hard. That's what I'm, that's what I've gotten wired for. But that's also like your relationship with alcohol, right? Like that's, this is why I think that people view or think that sobriety is going to be boring because alcohol is like that, that kind of like fuck boy who is like, okay, are mm. they going to text? Are they not going to text? Like this push and pull this up and down this like roller coaster of emotions. Right. And so it's mm-hmm. yes, to a certain degree, it's exciting because you don't know what's really going to happen. It's exciting. It's stressful. It's anxiety ridden. It's, it's like all these things, but they aren't necessarily healthy. They aren't mm-hmm. things that you can actually build a solid foundation on with another person or another thing, any kind of relationship, right? And I think that's why people get afraid in like relationships that are too like stable or, or too, um, yeah, like you, you can kind of like rely on them, which is mm-hmm. also terrifying for someone who's used to being jerked around. Mm-hmm. So alcohol is the same thing. It's the exact same thing. That's such a great comparison. And yes, I was very much in like a toxic relationship with alcohol where I was like mm-hmm. going back and forth. What kind of a night are we going to have? Like, is it going to end yeah. in tears? Is it going to be fun? Like, but then going back for more because I kind of craved that chaos and that drama. And yep. it's so true. It's the same with relationships. And, you know, it's like sobriety is never boring it is the opposite to me it's just like you know I can experience everything to like the utmost degree in a way that I couldn't when I was drinking however I definitely did have that like discomfort that we're talking about with dating Mm -hmm. in early sobriety when things started to just get better for me like my life started to get better I started to feel better and I was yeah. like, whoa, this is weird. Like, where's the chaos? Where's the drama? No one's mad at me. I remember what I did last night. Like, I, like, I'm not injured. Like, I'm, I'm responsible. What the hell yeah, is happening? Like, <laughs> I remember being like, this is weird. And, and, it, yeah. and I did feel a little bored, but then it was like, sure. this isn't boring. This is good. This is yeah, like, this is peace. It's called peace. peace of mind. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, exactly. And I think it's sort of just like asking yourself, getting honest with yourself and being like, why do you feel like you only thrive in when things are bad? You know, mm. like, why is that my yes. standard? Why am I uncomfortable when things are good? When I am in a healthy relationship, when I'm waking up and remembering what I did the night before, why is my knee jerk reaction that like, this is unusual yeah or why is my knee-jerk reaction to kind of like self-sabotage that mm-hmm. to a degree oh yeah yeah and I did try to think self-sabotage the relationship in the beginning I think just yeah 
by thinking to myself, like, this is too good to be true. I'm sure that I like reflected that in some ways, you know, and it took me time to just fully surrender to it and like, let myself be loved and be happy. Like I definitely remember conversations in the beginning being like, this is like too, like, too good. Like, why are you being so nice to me? And I remember yeah. him being like, what do you mean? Like, he's like, I like you. Like, I, Oh my God. You know, it sounds like really weird, like yeah. saying it out loud, but it's totally like in your own he- head. It totally makes sense. Yeah. Like completely. Like I remember, I remember Adam like introducing me to his friends yeah. And I was like, why are you doing this? Like, we just started dating. He's like, I like you. Like, I want you to meet my friends, you know, it's just like not that complicated, but we, yeah. yeah. The like urge to self-sabotage is so real. Yeah. It's like what you like me. Oh my God. You're actually going to admit that and like introduce me to people in your life that you, that matter to you. What the yeah. hell is happening? Yeah. Oh my gosh. Yeah. That's so funny. <laughs> okay. Well, it works out. You can be happy, right? You can be happy. Yeah, you, you really deserve can. to be happy. Yes, you deserve to be happy. Yeah. And don't let your brain tell you otherwise. Yeah. Don't let that like inner wine witch convince you mm-hmm. that you, you're not, you don't deserve to be happy. Mm-hmm. <laughs> um, Sarah, talk to me about drinking games. Okay. So drinking games is my memoir. It yeah. is available now it came out on january 3rd 2023 and it tells the story of my relationship with alcohol and also talks about more significantly all the ways in which my life changed when i got sober Mm. when i was struggling with my drinking i did a lot of reading and read a lot of like basically read everything i could get my hands on um and in like the alcohol addiction space. And what I found were like a lot of like really beautiful books about hitting rock bottom and kind of like the messy, painful process of struggling with alcohol. Some of the books I saw myself in, some I didn't, but Mm -hmm. what I really couldn't find was a book about like what happened after getting sober. You know, I was Mm -hmm. most concerned about that. And, and I wanted a book you know, written by someone that I could relate to someone who I could see myself in someone who was single and working and living in a city and, you know, who didn't necessarily like check out of their life and go to rehab for six months, like someone who was still going to be experiencing relationships and friendships and situations, but with alcohol removed. And I really couldn't find that book. I certainly did not get sober with the intention of writing it because like I said, I was very embarrassed about being sober for the first year, Mm. but I had always loved writing. I journaled a lot in early sobriety. And um, when I had a little over a year sober, I started thinking like maybe people would want to read about this the same way that I did, you know, when I was, when I was struggling and, um, and that was sort of how the idea originated for the book. And, it's, there's also a lot of elements of social critique in the book. So I talk about different aspects of millennial culture and the ways in which my drinking and then sobriety impacted those areas, everything from dating, wellness, social media, beauty, my career, family, um, just different topics that, you know, I spent a lot of time thinking about and like existing in those worlds. 
um, both when I was drinking and then when I got sober. Wow. That's so interesting. And what, how did the title come to be? Tell me about, uh, you came up, how you came up with the title. Um, that's a really good question. I honestly don't remember. I think I was just playing around with different words. I think at one point the book was going to be called thirsty. Okay. And then, um, <laughs> and then I, I think Adam actually may have helped me come up with the title. I feel like we were just oh. like going back and forth and coming up with like different words about like drinking and alcohol. And I loved drinking yeah. games because it felt, it was very like reminiscent of the early relationship that I had with alcohol, where it was mm. very fun and like innocent and playful. And then ultimately like I felt like I was playing Russian roulette every time I drank like the game got higher with my alcohol consumption um and so I felt like it had kind of like a dual meaning there oh I love that I can definitely relate to the drinking roulette oof but I like that question no one's asked me about the title yet actually and um and I love the title I I couldn't I can't even remember like the exact moment I came up with it yeah, I love it. I like the title too. I'm like, I was wondering. I'm like, ooh. Cause yeah, <laughs> drinking games to me definitely is like there's like a game kind of like inside my head. And it's like, okay, who what player am I gonna be when mm-hmm. I drink? Right. Mm-hmm. Am I gonna be like player one who's like Hulk Hogan, who's literally throwing chairs at security guards? Mm-hmm. Uh is it player two who's like crawled up in a like bottle service booth, like crying because like her ex was there or someone said something about her ex, like just ridiculous crybaby. Yeah. Yeah. Or was it like player three who's like swinging from the chandelier, like being like the ultimate party girl pouring vodka in people's mouths? Yes. Right. Like you never know what you're going to get. Right. Yeah. That, yeah, that was like we're talking about with the volatility of drinking and having it be like a toxic relationship. Yeah. That was the same for me. Like it was, that was the game. I never knew what was going to happen once I started to drink. I never knew how my night was going to end. So I feel like the title captures all of that. Love it. Thank Absolutely you. love it. Sarah, I have one more question for you. For anyone okay. listening to us right now who is maybe thinking of getting sober or like going through it, uh, what advice could you give to them? You know, I can only speak from personal experience, but to me, sobriety really seemed like the end of my life. I really did not want to get sober. I was so afraid. And what I would say to my younger self, so I guess I could give the same advice to someone listening, is that truly giving up this one thing that's not serving you will give you so much more in return, you know? And to just give yourself a chance to see if it makes your life better and to see, you know, how you feel without it. If you want to drink again, drink again, right? Like, it, yeah, alcohol's really, not like, going anywhere. It, <laughs> it's not going anywhere. Like take it one day at a time. Um, yeah. and just, and just see how your life unfolds without it. But I, you know, felt like my life would be over when I stopped drinking and it was really just beginning. And I, and I write that in, in my book as well, because it's just like so 
powerful when I think about how long I tried to keep drinking because I was really afraid and I thought I needed to. And then yeah. like this crazy transformation that I experienced when I, when I stopped. So, you know, if you're listening and you're considering sobriety, like, like you can, you're allowed to stop drinking. You can, yeah. Today can be your day one. You can always start fresh, you know, and um, you don't have to think about never drinking again. That's too overwhelming. Just, you know, let's say take it one day at a time, reach out to people who, you know, are sober or sober, you know, curious and talk to people for me, like hearing my experiences mirrored back to me and someone else was super powerful, especially in the beginning. Um, and you know, and, and just like, know that you're not alone because I felt really alone in it. And that, that I think made it really scary as well. Yeah, definitely. And I think you're, you're totally right. Like, you know, you could be the only person in your friend group and your, in your relationship and your, mm-hmm. amongst your peers. And you could feel like, okay, this is the end of the world. I'm the alien, right? I'm mm-hmm. the outcast here, but that's mm-hmm. really not, it's not true. You may be the, the, the only person within your social group, but there's so many, there's hundreds of thousands, millions of people out there who are not only like feel and think the same, but are going through the exact same thing you are. Totally. And there's so many people, so many creative people, so many, you know, people in the Mm -hmm. entertainment industry, so many like successful entrepreneurs, authors, athletes, just people that you would never imagine who are sober. Mm -hmm. I really think that it's just like this cool secret society that we're a part of. And I didn't think, I I didn't know that when I was drinking, I thought that like everyone who was cool drank and being sober meant you were, you know, a loser and that's not the case either. So, you know, I would say like, remind yourself of that. If you're considering getting sober, like there are a ton of really cool and interesting people who don't drink. Yeah. I totally agree with that. Like it's actually shocking when you, I mean, not, people who don't drink don't necessarily talk about it. Like, especially Mm -hmm. like really high powered, successful people. It's just not even, it's not even in their like vibration. It's not even on their level. Yeah. Not a thing, Mm -hmm. but like anyone that I talk to, you know, who, especially in business, especially in business and like finance and where you have to be really dialed in, Mm -hmm. they're like, I could never have the success I have if I was drinking. Mm Mm-hmm. It's just, it's unnecessary. It's like a total, it totally weighs you down. Not, no. Right. Not part of my productivity. Bye. Right. Right. It's so true. And like, we're fed this image in movies and TV shows, you know, of like the high powered main character comes home from a long day, killing in the office and has a big glass of wine. And like, we just think that that's what we're supposed to do. And, you know, it's just, that's just not the case for everyone who is, successful and happy so yeah I mean that's also like shit on tv totally like, <laughs> right like wolf of wall street like get out of here right like who's that or, like, that's only fun for people watching totally or even like <laughs> I remember watching scandal and seeing like yeah. Olivia Pope like you know with her perfect outfits and her perfect apartment and like having her wine and being like oh like I want to be like that and then it's like Wait, huh? Like Olivia yeah. Pope's like having an affair with the president of the United States, like her dad. Like, what do you like? That's not your real life. Like, I'm comparing yeah. one small portion of that show to my day to day and being like, yeah, she has wine every night, so I need to. It's like you're not Olivia Pope. Like, that's this is a TV show. <laughs> yes, 
Totally. Oh my God. I love that. I love it. Sarah, where can we find you and where can we find your book? You can find me on Instagram at Sarah L Levy or on my website, Sarah L Levy.com. And my book is available for purchase wherever books are sold. You can get it on Amazon, Barnes and Noble at your local bookstore. And um, I also recorded the audiobook. So if that's more your speed, you can download yeah. the audiobook as well. Oh, awesome. Love that. I'm a huge Audible girl for sure. Yeah. Sarah, thank you so, so much for being here again and sharing your experience and knowledge and wisdom with us. I really, really appreciate it. Thanks, Jess. It was so fun catching up. And thank you again for having me on. I am so happy for Sarah and her, all of her success, her life success, her professional success. She is such an amazing woman. Sarah has also been so graceful to give us a free signed copy of her new book. If you would like to win this free signed copy from the author for drinking games, you must become a member of the Sober Girl Social Club. In there, you will find our link to our Sober Girl Book Club. If you go into our private members only chat and comment on the posting about Sarah's book giveaway, you'll be entered to win a signed copy. As always, thank you so much for listening. Please make sure to rate, subscribe. We love to hear feedback about the podcast. Please make sure to follow us on Instagram and Facebook at A Sober Girls Guide and head over to asobergirlsguide.com. We have everything you need at any stage of your booze-free journey. From challenges to workbooks to a social Sober Girls Social Club, we got your back at any stage of your booze-free journey. Thank you so much for listening and have a great day.